Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Be set Today we're in 2 Samuel 13. And I'm going to call this message, It Stops With Me. It stops with me. You know, sometimes there's these things that carry on and on that at some point you could look and say, you know what, this stops with me. I'm not going to let this go any further. It stops with me. And we have an opportunity to stop some things sometime that could go past us. You know, David's sin is going to jump off onto some other people. He could have said, no, it stops with me, but he didn't. And this is something for us to learn as we go through. So catch up with me here as we continue through 2 Samuel 13. It stops with me, or at least it should, right? 2 Samuel 13 and verse 1 about Amnon and Tamar. After this, Absalom, the son of David, had a lovely sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her. Amnon was so distressed over his sister, Tamar, that he became sick, for she was a virgin. And it was improper for Amnon to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother. Now Jonadab was a very crafty man. And he said to him, Why are you, the king's son, becoming thinner day after day? Will you not tell me? Amnon said to him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Now he's asking this royalty son. What's wrong with you? You're the son of the king. Why are you getting thin? (laughs) You should have all the best food in the world available for you to eat. There's no reason why you should be dropping any weight. But I want you to remember in the previous chapter, the Lord said he was going to raise up adversity in David's own household, his own house. And so right here in the very first verse of chapter 13, we already know the names of the next two sons who are going to fall victim to David's fourfold judgment. Remember, when Nathan told David about this man that did this bad thing, David pronounced a fourfold judgment on him according to the law. Now the fourfold judgment is going to come onto David by he's going to be losing four of his sons, and now he already lost one. Now we see trouble is brewing with Absalom and Amnon. That makes the total now going to be close up to three by the time it's all over with. But it says Amnon was what you would call obsessed over Tamar, so bad that he lost weight over her. Apparently, she was not interested in him at all. Now, all you girls out there and ladies, I want you to understand something about the way men think. I, I know how they think, and let me give you this on a silver platter. When a guy gets like this over you, absolutely obsessed with you, do not talk to him. Cut him off. Well, I don't want to be mean. No, no, no. Listen to me. It's not being mean. It's about you cut him off. Don't answer his text and stay away from him. Just cut him off. It's not good what what guys like this are doing because they're only thinking about one thing and what they want is what they want. 
And besides that, Tamar is Abnon's sister. I mean, gross, right? Verse 2 says, thank God, verse 2 says that it was improper for him to do anything with her. I mean, yeah, you think? You can see, though, that David's lust problem that he had for Bathsheba, this now jumped off onto his own son. But now his own son Amnon has a worse version of of lust here. It's it's much worse. And what this shows you is that when sin spreads, it gets worse. It's like when you light fire to a house. It starts with a very small flame, but it spreads and it gets worse. It gets hotter. It does more damage. Second Samuel 13 and 5. So Jonadab said to him, lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. And when your father comes to see you, say to him, Please let my sister Tamar come and give me food and prepare the food in my sight, that I may see it and eat it from her hand. Then Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. And when the king came to see him, Amnon said to the king, Please let Tamar, my sister, come and make a couple of cakes for me in my sight, that I may eat from her hand. Okay, this went from lust to lying. Okay, that's what David did. He lusted for Bathsheba, then he lied when he was trying to cover up the whole adulterous affair, and it turned into a lot of bad things. It turned into murder. When the obsessed guy realizes that he can't win, when the obsessed guy realizes you ain't talking because you should cut him off, right? Like I was saying, it's for your safety. That's when they play the victim card. That's when they act like something's wrong with them. Suddenly, They need your help, and you're the only person on the face of the earth that can give the help they need to get out of this poor victim situation they're in. And that's exactly what Amnon is playing on Tamar here. They will draw on your sympathies. If you're a nice girl and you're friendly, they'll play on that, which is only designed to draw you close into them. Do not fall for this, girls, okay? Don't fall for it. And so now Amnon's lust has moved on to becoming a lie. Not only is he lying for the point of having Tamar, but he's also lying to David. King David, his own dad, he's lying to his own dad. And Did you notice, though, that liars always swim in the same pool with other scumbags, too? You know, this Jonadab guy is Amnon's cousin. They're all family here, basically, is what you see. They're a whole closed group of family members trying to help a brother sleep with a sister. A bunch of sick dogs here. Second Samuel 13 and 7. And David sent home to Tamar, saying, Now go to your brother Amnon's house and prepare food for him. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, and he was lying down. Then she took flour and kneaded it, made cakes in his sight, and baked the cakes. And she took the pan and placed them out before him, but he refused to eat. Then Amnon said, Have everyone go out from me. And they all went out from him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, Bring the food into the bedroom that I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them to Amnon, her brother, in the bedroom. Now when she had brought them to him to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, Come, lie with me, my sister. But she answered, No, my brother, do not force me. For no such thing should be done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. And I, where could I take my shame? And as for you, you would be like one of the fools in Israel. Now, therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. However, he would not heed her voice. And being stronger than she, 
He forced her and lay with her. This is a terrible story, guys. This is very unpleasant. He raped her. Amnon raped Tamar. I know this already gets some of y'all just bent up already just looking at this, and it should. And this lying snake, Amnon, he achieved his goal by playing the victim card, which is a lie. The victim card is a lie. When everybody, oh, woe is me, and they're trying to get something out of you because poor me, I'm in this bad situation. That's uh, It's lying. Girls, when a guy tries to get you in a room with him, especially alone, you do not go in there. Don't go in there. I don't care if the king of Israel tells you to do it. Do not go in there. Don't do it. But poor Tamar was just doing what she was told. Second Samuel thirteen fifteen. Then Amnon hated her exceedingly, so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, Arise, be gone. So she said to him, No, indeed, this evil of sending me away is worse than the other that you did to me. But he would not listen to her. Then he called his servant who attended him and said, Here, put this woman out away from me and bolt the door behind her. Now she had on a robe of many colors, for the king's virgin daughters wore such apparel. And his servant put her out and bolted the door behind her. Then Tamar put ashes on her head and tore her robe of many colors that was on her and laid her hand on her head and went away crying bitterly. Okay, rape is a very terrible offense, as much today as it was back then. But did you find it odd, though? Here's something I saw, that Tamar didn't want to leave. When he said, get out of here, she goes, no. So the question hits me, why did Tamar not want to leave? How come she wanted to stay? Why would this poor girl want to stay in the same place with the same guy that had just violated her. What's going on? First off, we need to understand that she was wearing a robe of many colors that signified her. It marked her with purity. It marked her as being pure. I went off to Panama one time off the coast of Panama where the Kuna Indians live and the young women there, they had this colorful attire on. And I asked somebody, what is this? I mean, they dressed a lot brighter and, and fancier and had some jewelry on. And they said, oh, these are girls who are of age. And I said, oh, okay, that's what that meant. It, it marked their purity. And so she knew that her special robe now would be taken away from her. Remember she, remember she said about her shame, you know, what could I do with my shame if I was to leave? And so she knew her robe was going to be taken away because she was no longer fit to wear it. She was no longer, it was no longer proper for her to wear this. And that's why she tore it. That's how the ancient Israelites expressed their grief. They would tear their clothes and throw ashes on their head to show the discomfort and the ruin that they were feeling on the inside. Now, I'm sure it totally broke poor Tamar's heart to have to tear this robe. Now, if a man took a woman to be his wife, but then let's say he discovered later after taking her that she was not a virgin, then the law had something to say about this. And I, I found it in Deuteronomy 22, verse 20. It says, If evidences of virginity are not found for the young woman, 
Then they shall bring out the young woman to the door of her father's house, and the men of her city shall stone her to death with stones, because she has done a disgraceful thing in Israel to play the harlot in her father's house. So you shall put away the evil from among you. Okay, now that's why Tamar said to him, don't do such an evil, disgraceful thing like this in Israel, because she knew the law. That's the immediate danger that Tamar was in, in fear for her very life. Now, I know that she did not invite this. I know she was set up for this, but she understands that what if Amnon lied and said that she was the one that instigated it? She'd be stoned. They would kill her. I know that this is a very foreign thing to us nowadays because sexual goofing around is kind of a normal thing that people do today, but back then it wasn't. It was considered vile. I mean, it was insulting to do such a thing. And Tamar now in fear for her very, very life here. Why would people think that she would play the harlot? And by the way, uh, I'm not cussing and I'm not trying to be funny, but harlot is another word for whore. They considered somebody like this to be whoring around to play the harlot. And Tamar is now scared for her future. She's afraid of how she's going to be marked now. This girl was marked before with a robe of many colors. It was a very innocent mark. It was a beautiful thing to wear. And now she's lost it. And now she's afraid of what's going to become of her. She's probably wondering, will there ever be any man who will ever accept me now? Do I even get to have a future at all? Now, I want you to understand the law did look out for young ladies like Tamar in her situation too, but she did have some recourse. And let me show you in Deuteronomy 22 and 28. It says, if a man finds a young woman who is a virgin, who is not betrothed, and he seizes her and lies with her, and they are found out, then the man who lay with her shall give to the young woman's father 50 shekels of silver, and she shall be his wife because he has humbled her. He shall not be permitted to divorce her all his days. So Amnon's position in this situation here is that after what he did with her, he was obligated to her, and he didn't want to be obligated to her. But I think this is another reason why Tamar did not want to leave, is because she knew the law, and she knew that after what Amnon had done to her, she could never have another man. Whether she was spared or whether Amnon had the responsibility put on him, or either way, if he was going to lie about her and they were to stone her, she was going to end up never having another man again. But the responsibility could have been put onto Amnon, the one who was guilty, should have been. He would have to see to her well-being from that day forward. That's what we just read in the law. But to have this law activated on Amnon, she would have had to drag him into trial. And then they would have to administer the justice that the law said, Amnon, she's now yours. You got to take care of her. And so Tamar, she had every legal right to drag Amnon into court and make him pay. And let's say she does take him to court. I think that she would never want this to be made public because her shame would have been exposed to everybody. Everybody would have suddenly known what happened to her. Now, again, she could have dragged him to this court. I don't think she wanted to. How many of you would want to expose publicly what happened? Some of you may. Make him pay. Okay, good. The law gave you that. Okay, but you can tell Tamar, Tamar didn't want to do this. She didn't want to leave. 
She didn't want to be put out. Going back to why she didn't want to leave is because she knew that no one else or she felt no one else ever was ever going to accept her again. And so now because of losing her purity, Amnon was all she had to see to her future. Plus, she probably would have had to give up her colorful robe of purity during the court case. Can you imagine being in there and, okay, we have determined that this is what happened. Give us your robe. How much, how shameful would that have to be? I don't think she was wanting to go through that. It would further her shame. So you can see why she wanted to stay where she was. She said to Amnon, you'll be made the fool. Why would you do this? She's trying to hope that Amnon kicks on to the fact that the law held him accountable. So he'd go, oh yeah, shoot. Well, all right, I guess we better do the right thing then. And then, then everything would be somewhat taken care of. But Amnon, he, he doesn't care, man. He's not thinking at all. All he wanted was what he wanted. Girls, I'm telling you, you watch out for these obsessed guys. They are not thinking. Amnon did not care what the law said. He just didn't care. He knew about it, but he didn't care about it. And this shocked Tamar, I believe, that Amnon would be as dense as he was. But guys, this is what sin does. Sin will blind you where you can't see, and then you don't care. And the same thing happened to David, didn't it, previously? He committed adultery. He committed murder. He did a lot of bad things just because he saw this woman and said, yeah, I want her. Blinded him. You see what sin does. It jumps off of you if you commit it willfully, and it jumps onto others if you want to extinguish it really quickly with confession and ask forgiveness. But every time it makes that jump, it gets worse. And now it's really, really bad. When David saw Bathsheba, he could have resisted that temptation and he should have, he could have said, he should have said, this goes no further. This stops with me. I will not have it. I will not let it go past me. But it did go past David. And now Tamar had been raped and Amnon just does not care. Doesn't give a rip. He thinks the law can't touch him. And so Tamar is put out. There's no one, nowhere, who will ever accept her again. She was thrown out of the house. The door was bolted. He said, put this woman out. He didn't even give her the respect of calling her by her name. Friend, have you ever been there? You ever been put out, rejected, felt like you were this big, nothing? That's what happened to Tamar. And Absalom, her brother, said to her, has Amnon, your brother, been with you? But now hold your peace, my sister. He is your brother. Do not take this thing to heart. So Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. Guys, this just gets worse by the minute. Poor Tamar, she just got even lower. All Absalom had to do was just look at her, and he had it all figured out, didn't he? He already knew what Amnon was intending to do, which is why he asked, has Amnon been with you? He already knew what Amnon wanted to do with her because he, had, he figured the whole thing out. Amnon's been with her. Tamar was violated, then she was rejected, and now she has to hear a big load of insult from Absalom. Oh, don't get so serious about this. He's your brother. Come on. Why didn't Absalom step in and do something? He knew what was coming. He knew, and he did nothing. He did absolutely nothing. And so now Tamar, she went to an even lower level of pain than what she had already been in. It said she was desolate, it says. 
desolate in Absalom's house. Do you know what desolate means? Desolate means deserted. It means empty, depressed, devastated, sadness, disheartened. She was in great distress. She was desolate. I'm all by myself. There is nobody anywhere that cares. Nobody can help me. And she sat alone in a miserable house wearing her once prized colorful robe of purity, now torn in half, thinking, nobody cares. I'm all alone. Is there no one that loves me at all? Is there no one who will help me out of this? Is there no one at all who will fight for me? Is there any hope for me at all? Second Samuel thirteen twenty one. But when King David heard of all these things, he was very angry. And so he got on his horse and he rode down to Amnon's house. He kicked the door down like John Wayne and he killed Amnon where he stood. Um, excuse me, does it say that? No, it does not. I read it wrong on purpose because he didn't do what he probably should have done. Let's read it rightly. Let's read again. Second Samuel thirteen twenty one. But when King David heard of all these things, he was very angry, period. That's it. Moving on, verse 22. And Absalom spoke to his brother Amnon, neither good nor bad, for Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister Tamar. Okay, I, I'm not a real thespian here, but I really tried to dramatize, if you will, what David did. He got mad. Got mad and then pfft, nothing. That's it. You just, that's all. You know, this is the guy that killed Goliath, right? It says David got angry, and that's about it. I would think the guy that killed Goliath would have done something here. So, where did David's assertive boldness go? That's what I want to know. He was the bold guy that was going around kicking everybody down, and, and nobody could touch him. Saul couldn't touch him. Goliath sure got infamously ridiculed for many years over what happened. What's with David? What happened? Why did not David pronounce penalties against Amnon? He was sure quick to pronounce a penalty on the mystery man at, at Nathan's story, wasn't he? Remember how fast he was? Oh, this guy should die. He should pay back fourfold. Now, all of a sudden, he's not pronouncing anything on nobody. What happened? When David saw what happened to Tamar, he could have said, that is my child. I will allow this to go no further. This stops here with me. I'm going to do something about it. But he didn't. Why did David fall flat? Perhaps David felt guilty about his own sin. He was still dealing with what he had done with Bathsheba, and it probably just took the wind out of his sails to now try to administer the full extent of the law on his own children when he felt like he got away with so much from Bathsheba and Uriah. You know, the Lord had put away his sin. From him, remember, because of covenant. And David did not die for what he had done. Maybe he feels like, who am I now? It would be hypocritical of me to do anything. But guys, he just let a rape go. A rape just happened. This is terrible. So I think that David really lost something here because he was kind of holding back now. He didn't have that boldness. He lost it. What he had done in the past, his mistake of the past, caused him to lose his boldness. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.